1: Hey everyone, welcome to the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. It is Friday, January 15th. Today we have one very massive four team trade to review, plus some fantasy hoops, trends to hit, all that and much more is coming up in just a minute.
2: Life is a highway and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches but there's only one that's crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
0: of a detour
1: Right now we welcome in Ryan Knauss. Ryan uh, what's going on with you anything uh, anything happen in the NBA this week I don't think there's, no, not, there's nothing to not talk much. about here right
3: yeah, I don't think so. I mean, yeah. we could probably just just move right along to
1: whatever pops into your head. Yeah, let's just talk about what's going on in our lives.
3: How old are your kids again, Matt? You know, we could start there.
1: Oh yeah, well, you want the whole? My kids are seven and four. Um, well, interesting <laughs> story about my my oldest son's birth. I could do that. That'd be a great one. Maybe we should. Oh, uh,
3: that's a little too recent. Oh. Why don't you go
1: back to how how you met. Oh, okay. Uh, how I met his ki- mother and things like that. Oh, how my parents met? Do you want to start there? <laughs> yes, yes. Well, it was the 19... Was it the World Fair you're about tattoo? to say? No, yeah. <laughs> Penn Law School in the nineteen sixties. This this story needs to end in Brooklyn, I'll just okay. let you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, I'll uh I'm gonna workshop that. I'm gonna workshop the, the finer details <laughs> of that story. Um quickly a programming announcement, Ryan. By popular demand, our our Tuesday waiver wire episode is going to be a monday waiver wire episode hmm. so that doesn't really affect you because you only do the friday episode but that's happening so i just wanted you to as know a that. listener i will i will have to update my habits to update your habits and you know hey look it turns out maybe a waiver wire episode makes more sense on mondays we've done it on mondays in the past this year we said hey let's be you know let's be different here let's do it on a tuesday and then Steve told me about eight times it was a terrible idea. We had at least one listener on Twitter say, Hey, why don't you guys do that on Monday? And that kind of just tilted it. So here we are. That's your (laughs) precedent. That's your program. If one
3: person complains to Matt, things will
1: change. I mean, it was a pretty polite and well thought out complaint, though. You know what I mean? (laughs) It was. Gotcha. So, you know, a well thought out message can go a long way, I would say. All right, Ryan, some trade news. To hit, as you may have heard, as you probably know by now, James Harden is headed to Brooklyn. The trade also involves, in addition to the Rockets, the Cavs and the Pacers. Let's let's just give you the simplest team-by-team breakdown here. The Nets get James Harden. Done. The Rockets get four first-round picks, three from Brooklyn, one from Cleveland, plus four first-round pick swaps, plus Victor Oladipo, plus Dante Exum, plus Rodeons <laughs> Kurutz. Do I have all that? Is that it? I think that's it. And then the Cavs get Jared Allen and Torian Prince. The Pacers get Karis Levert and a future second rounder. So, Ryan, let's just run through this quickly team by team, the fantasy implications of this. Start with the Nets, obviously. You add James Harden to Kevin Durant, plus we assume Kyrie Irving will be back with the team at some point. How do you uh, gauge how this is all going to work for Brooklyn and any big fantasy takeaways for you? Well, that's the, I was going to say million dollar question, but given these guys' salaries,
3: it's probably closer to the billion dollar question is how will they fit all these pieces together, especially with a first year head coach and Steve Nash. He now has some pretty big egos and big expectations on top of that to manage. It's two different conversations, reality and fantasy. As a fantasy manager, I'm not really loving the situation. You do get James Harden out of Houston. There was the danger of a shutdown, which is why he dropped a little bit in your fantasy drafts. But these are three players who combined had almost 89% usage coming into this trade. That has to give at some point. Can they share the ball even if they are staggered away from each other as much as possible? It's still a lot of mouths to feed offensively. So uh, I'm a bit concerned. You know, if I could trade a friend asked me if I would trade James Harden for Trey Young straight up now that this trade has gone down. And I'm on the fence about that, which says something that I'm not sure James Harden can get back to his number one fantasy perch after this trade.
1: Yeah, I mean, as for Harden, I agree with you that it does likely put a dent in what his peak numbers would have been, but it also raises his floor by a ton because now we assume he's going to be much more motivated and focused in Brooklyn. So yeah, you're you're probably not going to get vintage Houston James Harden, but you're also not going to get the disaster that it might have been had he stayed in Houston so it's kind of a win and a loss in a weird way at the same time and as for Durant I mean the Kevin Durant renaissance tour was going spectacularly well he obviously is going to take a hit here and that that's a disappointing thing that fantasy managers have to deal with but let's look at the Rockets side of this Ryan the Rockets as I said get all those first round picks those first round pick swaps I really loved this deal for Houston when I thought Karis LeVert was going there. But in what appears to be a cost-saving move, they traded him for Victor Oladipo, whose contract is about to expire after this year. So the New Look Rockets, John Wall, Victor Oladipo, DeMarcus Cousins, a lot of injury issues there, but plenty of intrigue. What's your takeaway for this roster? My takeaway is that this is a team that full-on is not...
3: Attempting to win this season they're you know, they brought in some injury uh, rehabbing veterans who are just trying to rehab their images. Victor Oladipo is going into a contract year and wants to prove that he's back to an all star level after that ruptured quad. And we've seen him playing really well. He was playing minutes in the high 30s recently with the Pacers. And maybe that was just part of their ploy to get another team to trade for Oladipo. Uh, And it worked from a fantasy perspective. I like Oladipo simply because he is motivated. But the other side of that is toward the end of the season, does he want to just shut it down? If he's proven, hey, I can average 20 points per game consistently what else does he have to prove at that point if he's healthy so he might be a glaring shutdown candidate the same could be said for John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins if they've come back play at a high level but they're on a team that has no playoff aspirations the shutdown risk is real so as a fantasy manager that concerns me
1: well Karis LeVert would have been a winner had he gone to Houston and he is a winner I think going to Indiana because now he's kind of guaranteed plenty of usage no matter where he is and that's Indiana now his last five games for Brooklyn he was averaging 26 points per game 4.4 boards 6.6 assists 0.8 steals 2.6 threes showing his fantasy upside so a lot of excitement for him going to Indiana you have to be thrilled if you drafted Karis Levert now because you don't have to worry about what happens when Kyrie Irving comes back because that's no longer your problem any other takeaways for you from uh, this this Pacers roster Ryan no, I, I quite like the fit for Levert there. Uh, you have Brogdon,
3: DeMontis Sabonis. Their star players don't really command high usage and dominate the ball, even though Brogdon's on-ball time is quite high. You know, he's a, he's a playmaker first, really, although he has taken on a higher scoring load. So I love how Levert slots in here. And although he was surging with the Nets, that was because Kyrie was gone and obviously before Harden got there. So I don't think that was a realistic expectation rest of season anyway.
1: So I don't think that he's taken a hit at all by going from Brooklyn to Indiana. Last team to hit here is the Cleveland Cavaliers who get Jared Allen and Torian Prince. Allen had really been coming on for Brooklyn. Now he has to share basically the center role with Andre Drummond, which is Probably bad news for both guys. Ryan, what do you make of that center situation? What do you make of the arrival of Torian Prince in Cleveland? Yeah, so the split between reality and fantasy is probably
3: nowhere starkest than it is with the Cavaliers, um, whereas, as as you mentioned, Andre Drummond suddenly, instead of dealing with JaVale McGee as his primary backup, has Jared Allen. And the Cavs pretty clearly are going to pivot toward Allen as the center of their future, Drummond being on an expiring contract, etc. Maybe they look to trade him even at some point this season that being the case, I'm not super down on Allen because if Drummond gets moved, he's the starter. But it's hard not to look at it as a bit deflating given that Allen was starting ahead of DeAndre Jordan in Brooklyn. Now he has to, you know, make that climb all the way back over
1: a, a veteran starter of a higher caliber in Drummond. Well and circling back to where we just started here, Ryan and Amy just mentioned there, DeAndre Jordan in Brooklyn. Looks like he now has the majority of the sentiment is to himself, doesn't have the upside that he used to, obviously, but A worthwhile fantasy pickup if you need some rebounds and blocks.
3: Yeah, bare bones, double-double guy, and no real threat on the horizon. Maybe Nicholas Claxton when he's healthy, but uh, DJ is fine
1: if you don't mind the free throw percentage hit, as usual. All right, Ryan, let's take a look at some other fantasy trends that uh, have popped up and caught our attention. I think the time has come that we have to talk about Miles Turner. He is currently seventh (laughs) overall in nine category leagues. The numbers are interesting. 12.5 points, 6.5 rebounds, 1.5 steals, 4.1 blocks, and 1.4 threes. Those numbers are really similar to what he did last year, except for this massive spike in blocks. The steals, the rebounds, the points, the threes are all really similar. So, I mean, my instinct is there's no way this can be sustainable. I mean, not since the days of Dikembe Mutombo in the mid-90s have we seen a player average better than four blocks per game. He's in... I mean, when it comes to blocks, he's he's almost in like robinson Alajuan territory here, Ryan. Like, there's no mm-hmm. way Miles Turner can keep that up, right? Yeah, so there's two questions for me. First of all, no, I don't think
3: four blocks per game is reasonable. Has he, am I right in thinking he's had eight blocks in two separate games? Something like that. He's had a lot of blocks, put it that way. Yeah, Confirmed. Um, a lot uh, of blocks is confirmed. Uh, yeah, confirmed. But my, my question is twofold. Even if he does keep up this many blocks, and you look and you say based on basketball monster rankings or based on your own z scores that you're running he's a top 10 player well okay but that's all coming from one category and that category is as we've said blocks <laughs> um so how how valuable is it to have a player who only really locks up one category and then is just a reasonable contributor in other areas is that the same as a Bradley Beal, who's a first-round value, but has a much broader mm-hmm. array of stats that he's bringing to your team? To me, it's not even comparable. So if there's a fellow fantasy manager who's very enamored by Turner's shot blocking, and you can flip him for Paul George or someone like this, I would do that in a second, obviously. Um, so yeah, where do you come down on that? Like, If a player is
1: so tethered to just one or even two, two categories, does that, is that a negative in your mind? It's not a negative, but I do think that you raise a good point where, yeah, I would definitely rather have Beal. I mean, in the same breath, it's like I almost think about fantasy football where you're talking about, you know, the tight end position scarcity and, you know, how dominant Travis Kelsey is. It's like blocks are so hard to get knowing that you are, if you're in a head-to-head league or even a roto league, competitive or dominating that category every week. has to be a huge relief i didn't end up with miles Turner anywhere i'm pretty bummed out about that because he was definitely not a hard guy to get in drafts for the most part so i didn't really answer your question other than i agree with you i would much rather have like a beal or i think a paul george but i don't i don't think it's a bad thing especially in turner's case where he does have a well-rounded stat line it's not like he's averaging six points seven you know seven rebounds and four blocks i mean He's not. He's not Robert Williams. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's not. He's not like. Uh, well, I just thought of Theo Ratliff. There's an old school one. Although, oh, wow. although Pete Ratliff was like a twelve and eight guy. I think. Of course, didn't hit threes. But now I'm just getting nostalgic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, I, I think that's that's the main takeaway. Is yeah, he's probably not going to stay this this lofty. So if you can trade Turner at or around even top 15, top 20 value, I think I'd probably do it. But I do really like him. And, and obviously, we've been yeah. waiting for this a long time.
3: I feel like this could be a whole pot in itself, just the category specialist, positional scarcity, stat scarcity, because you bring up another good point, which is that blocks are, are not easy to find there aren't a lot of guys who can just win you the blocks category on the waiver wire Uh, not that you can get that for any old category out on the on the wire but blocks seem because the league is going so much towards stretch fives and fewer minutes for the true centers in
1: our league there really just are not a lot of block specialists out there and i think it's funny you know we talk about punting categories all the time you know punting free throws I don't hear as much about punting blocks. I mean, I think that is almost, I've sort of inadvertently done it in a league or two where I'm really not, my team's doing pretty well or doing all right, but I'm not, I'm just not going to win blocks that often. It's not like I don't have any, but I don't know. There's just names that come to mind, like Nikola Vucevic, like a fantastic fantasy player whose stat line this year is missing literally one thing and that's blocks. Um, I think that there's kind of a lot of that going on or maybe that's just how my roster ended up getting built inadvertent blocks punt if only you had thought of this a couple months ago before you drafted all your teams Matt I know <laughs> I know or maybe you know John Collins could just start getting some blocks again and then I wouldn't be punting Fuoch and Collins just need to get oh, some blocks hope hope springs eternal <laughs> all right well speaking of blocks Ryan Chris Boucher sits 27th overall on Basketball Monster's nine-category leaderboard with 2.6 blocks per game. He has also averaged 14.3 points, 6.2 boards, 1.7 threes in just 22 minutes per game. Mm. And watching some recent Raptors games, I mean, I've been really impressed with the guy. Hitting some contested threes. He's not just a knockdown of three when there's no one within 10 feet of him, although that is part of his game for sure. I just wanted to quickly run his per 36 minutes numbers by you. 23.2 23.2 points, 10.1 rebounds, 1.0 steals, 4.2 blocks, 2.8 threes. I think you can make the argument Boucher is best suited to minutes in like the low to mid 20s in real life. But mm-hmm. if he was getting 30 minutes a game, he'd be like a first round fantasy guy.
3: Yeah, that's wild. And what, what
1: did you say per 36 rebounds somewhere around 10 per game? 10, 10. Yeah, 23 and 10 with a steal, 4.2 blocks and 2.8 Oof. threes. I mean, it feels like those boards could even
3: come up a little bit, which is which is scary. But yes, you look at a guy with three-point range who's not going to kill you from the free-throw line. These are, you know, checking all the boxes that we look for from fantasy centers. And obviously the elite blocks, not going to turn the ball over. And as you said, even if his minutes are in mid-20s, it's not the worst thing. He can play aggressively without worrying about fouling out. You love to see that, especially with shot blockers, guys who come over and offer weak side help. They can just throw themselves into the lane. And if if he picks up a few silly fouls, it's not the end of the world. I love him. Unfortunately, I had him on my draft boards more in the 60, 70 range, I thought. Even maybe a little beyond, simply because he was falling that far, you could draft him outside of 100 in many leagues. So I I do have him on some of my rosters. I wish I had him on more, certainly. And I know Steve Alexander, uh, who is also a frequent
1: podcast guest, uh, is laughing all the way to the bank on on Chris Boucher. I'm with you. I definitely took him seriously. He was definitely on my radar. But I I was like, you know, I mean, they have Aaron Baines. I thought Boucher might be a little frustrating. Man, not the case.
3: So so we're both true believers here in in the Boucher hype, huh?
1: It looks that way. Yeah, it looks that way.
2: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches, but there's only one Mc Crispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
0: of a detour.
1: If you're up against the clock to get your waiver claims in, or you can't decide who to start as tip-off approaches, save time and make the best decisions with our all-new NBA League Sync tool. Leaksync pulls in all of your team and league info from Yahoo show you the best available players on the waiver wire, who you should start, who you should bench, and much more. Let Leaksync do all the work. You can take all of the glory. Get Leaksync, our DFS tools, our draft, and season tools as part of the Edge Plus Pro tier. Go to rotoworld.com slash edge for more and use promo code NBApod10 for $10 off any annual premium package. Tell them Ryan Canals sent you. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> all right, a couple more names to hit, Ryan. Keeping it in the world of centers, Rashawn Holmes had an ADP of 99 on Yahoo. He currently, as we are here, sits 32nd on Basketball Monsters' nine-category leaderboard with 13.5 points, 7.8 rebounds, 2.1 dimes, 1.0 steals, 1.5 blocks. The percentages are out of this world, nearly 70% from the field, 82.8 from the line, I know I was a little scared off by the Hassan Whiteside edition, also by Holmes dealing with a late season injury last year after his stellar play early on. Clearly, Whiteside's not an issue, and I think it's fair to say that Rashawn Holmes, when healthy, is kind of a fantasy monster.
3: Yeah, which I think we knew from years past. He he was a permanent, right? Like yeah. you're, you're <laughs> nodding. I can hear you nodding as I say this. <laughs> But but the, I, I was scared away by the same factor. Why would the Kings have signed Hassan Whiteside if they didn't intend to give him at least 15, 20 minutes per game? Then again, I assumed there was any rational logic in the Kings' free agency decisions, which is where I went astray. But Rashawn Holmes, the shoulder injury also kind of just had an asterisk in my mind. Oh, maybe he's not fully healthy. Well... I wish that I again had taken the plunge in more leagues because he's he's crushing it. And I've been watching because I have De'Aaron Fox in many leagues, and because I, I have Buddy Hield on many rosters. I'm watching more Kings than maybe I ever have, you know, since the Cowbell Kingdom was in its heyday. And Rashawn Holmes is a live body, man. He's he's even better than I remembered from recent years. He's very active, contests everything near the rim, even if he's not the biggest guy. He's he's got athleticism, really good timing. He's got a little bit of shooting range, um, just enough. He's got this cool little push floater thing in the lane that he's been really working. Just a really fun player. And as you said, probably at his peak in 9-cat because he doesn't turn the ball over, won't hurt percentages, but he's just a fantasy stud. I've I've done well in DFS
1: even with him in some lineups recently. I too have been watching some Kings recently, and they're such a funny mix of... What the hell is this team doing? And oh, the Kings are like kind of entertaining. And like they've got some players that some really (laughs) exciting young players. You know, you mentioned De'Aaron Fox, like they're playing Tyrese Halliburton a lot right away. He's obviously a legit NBA contributor with his unorthodox jumper. But I mean, he's just he's a guy who clearly makes an NBA team better and they're wisely giving him minutes, you know? And that's another fun guy to have in fantasy. I can't figure out what they're doing with Marvin Bagley, a guy who. Looks really quite versatile and quite good on the offensive end, but like can't consistently get minutes above like 24 per game. You know, he's basically just playing, his minutes are just stuck there, I guess is my point. You know, how does Bagley, who the Kings invested a, a ridiculous high draft pick on, get 35 minutes? I don't know. So they're a weird team, they're a frustrating team, and they're also an intriguing team all at the same time.
3: Yeah, I don't know what what to add to that, except that I, ba- Bagley, you're right. It feels like a player the Kings are stuck with and feel like they need to give minutes to to develop. His trade value around the league isn't high enough to really extract the value that would satisfy the fan base and give good return on investment so i guess they're all in on developing him but if you watch the guy play defensively he's really struggling opponents are shooting almost 13 percent higher than their season average against him which is when he's actively defending just a terrible metric and they've tried playing him at center when Rashawn holmes was out that was not an experiment that went well so i'm not sure where where he goes he's someone i
1: do not relish having on my roster put it that way (laughs) he got dropped in a shallower league that i play in and uh i picked him up and it's like i don't know he's not that far off from the guy he was as a rookie but he's not quite there and it's it's just strange the guy's never averaged in his limited time in the nba he's averaging like 25 minutes a game that's what it's been basically every year and uh mm. yeah i guess the outlook is not that bright but i'm strangely holding out a little hope that like it's going to click and bagley's going to start playing better enough to be a, a worthwhile fantasy starter
3: yeah i mean he'll never be your lou dort type um but but probably worth i i will say on a serious note i i would hold on to marvin bagley just in the hopes that something clicks and because like i said the kings are are really committed to this guy and they they
1: need to develop him and give him minutes over the course of the season lou dort by the way last three games 13 12 and nine points so oh. We're we're not close. Well, we're not that close. If I'd gotten you at twelve and a half points, I'd be feeling this would be a pretty exciting race. This would be, I mean, you know, like because he's averaging twelve point one in the season. I feel like we'd have a race. Right.
3: Well, hey, if you wanna if you wanna make a parlay bet here or something, we can we can talk (laughs) about this.
1: Mike, I have to talk to my bookie about this. (laughs) Um, (laughs) All right, one more name to hit, Ryan. LeBron James. In real life, things are going very well for LeBron and the Lakers very little championship hangover to speak of there 10 and three as we record this lebron is averaging 24.3 points 8.0 boards 7.5 assists so that's all good even if the assists are down from their lofty perch of last season but in fantasy we have some issues to discuss ryan 70.3 percent from the line which we pretty much expect 3.5 turnovers which we pretty much expect but you add in lebron is averaging just 0.8 steals and 0.4 blocks those are the lowest steals numbers of his career the second lowest average in blocks he once averaged 0.3 suddenly all of that taken into consideration you have the number 45 player in nine category leagues that's not what we've come to expect from lebron and uh, i guess i would ask you are you concerned no not not so much i mean i think
3: one thing you could point to as an a positive sort of antidote to some of the the decreased stats is the fact that he's not missing games. We thought for sure after the shortest off season in NBA history, after he took his team all the way to and through the championship, that at age 36, LeBron would be resting more and more, you know, often than he is now. But he's averaging 32 minutes per game. Does he have a DMP at this season? I forget. He's play- I know he's played in
1: multiple back to backs already. I don't think he does. I'm just double-checking. Keep going.
3: Sure. And he is, you know, yes, the defensive stats are a bit down. I do think his 48% shooting will come up. So these are the type of ticky-tack things that, you know, he gets one four-steal game and suddenly, boom, he's right on last year's steals average. Or he has a string of three straight games with a dozen assists, and now his assists look fine. So, no, the, these are, you know, kind of reminds me of talking about Luka Doncic five games into the season. Like, oh, no, did something fundamentally change? Well, no, it's a it's a very
1: we had a short offseason, no real preseason to speak of. It's just going to take a, a little bit of time. Uh, first of all, he hasn't he does not have a DNP this season. Secondly, did you just call me Tiki tack a minute ago? <laughs>
3: I don't know. Maybe you called
1: me an idiot last week. Now you call me Tiki tack. Jeez, no, no. Ryan just comes on here and just <laughs> slams me. Wow. I don't. I'll have to go back and listen, but I, it was all said in love. I don't think I did. <laughs> <laughs> and Ryan, by the way, we have to have things to talk about on the podcast. I mean, you know, it's like you're like, and we're just talking about Luka Doncic five games into the season. Fantasy managers are panicking. They were panicking. <laughs> did you see the look on Steve Alexander's face? Well, hopefully, we face? talked him down. Did you see Steve's <laughs> face when Luka was struggling? He was not the same yeah, person. White as, a, white as a sheet for weeks. Yeah. Yeah, was, he's just he's right. just starting to get you know his he's just looking like himself You're now <laughs> with Luca playing better. You're right, and
3: and without the solace that he found in our podcast, I don't know. Yeah, that you know you make a good point.
1: Yeah, I mean I feel like that's really what we we do here is we uh, you and I we tell people whether to whether <laughs> to feel good about what they've done or whether to worry. I think that's kind of what we do. This is like the feelings, yes. the feelings edition of the Roto World <laughs> basketball podcast. Yes. And then talk
3: ourselves into having a purpose. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Which I but think, yes, we, no, I, I think you're right. Providing perspective to the, to the fantasy world. This is, is a, providing, a valuable
1: service. Welcome once again to Providing Perspective with Ryan Canales and Matt Straub. <laughs> Maybe that's what we'll call it. Because we call the waiver wire one serviceable and intriguing waiver wire pickups. I think we should call this Providing Perspective. <laughs> I like that. And we'll say it in like an NPR voice.
3: Because inherently we're talking about either guys who seem to be playing way too well and can they possibly keep this up or players who we think should be doing much better and based on where fantasy managers drafted them should be so we you know is this cause for concern and if so let's take a couple deep breaths and see how we can reorganize our rosters and move through
1: exactly and like it's a safe space a really friendly setting but if i step out of line and say something ridiculous you're going to call me an idiot so i think that's also fun for people <laughs>
3: I feel like I'm not going to live this one down, especially because earlier on that podcast, you said, what a gentleman I am. (laughs) Now there's not a mean bone in my body. And then I just had to go slander your good name on your own
1: podcast. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, on that note, Ryan and I are going to try to patch this thing up before next Friday. Please remember, or don't forget to rate and review our show. Uh, That didn't make any sense. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify wherever you listen i've clearly lost it a reminder we're back on mondays now monday and friday is the schedule so you get your waiver wire pickups on monday your perspective on friday thanks to all of you for listening ryan thanks for taking the time i appreciate it thank you man